Today on the news and why it matters, we have got you covered on the impeachment hearings, what you need to know, what you don't need to know. Also, Justin Two-Faced Trudeau. Got a lot coming up and it starts right now. Welcome to the news and why it matters. I am Sarah Gonzalez today joined by you guys are going to love this. This is going to be a really fun show. We've got Stuber here <laughs> oh, over wow. here. Yeah. Why well, I don't mean People him. I'm getting up. to the other yeah. one. No, I like I'm that you actually the, like me for once. It's <laughs> the great. other one. Uh, Josh Hammer from the Daily Wire. It's a pleasure. And his maiden voyage on the show, <laughs> Matt Best. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you for being here. Founder of Black Rifle Coffee, which we often talk about on the show. We love it. Uh, and also New York Times bestselling author. I am. Yes, thank you. Yeah. Appreciate I'm happy to be here. Yeah. I love the, uh, the blaze, and it's good to hang out. And so Black Rifle is actually, you guys are located in San Antonio? San Antonio, Texas. So we're pretty much neighbors here. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even though Texas is, it's so funny when you go to other states. And they're so small, yeah. Yeah, and you're like, <laughs> in two hours I can be, or in an hour I can be in Oklahoma, and you can drive like six hours and still be in Texas. It's bizarre. Uh, anyway, got a lot to get into. First, we want to thank our sponsor, this segment, American Financing. Uh, so American Financing is there for those of you who maybe want to jump on the new interest rates, you want to get a refi, you need a home loan, whatever the case may be. American Financing has salary-based professionals. They're not commission-based, so they're not going to be looking for what's in it for them, where can I get the best kickback from this financial institution. No, that's not what they do there. They truly are there to help you get in the best solution for you. I know Stu used them and, uh, you know, they were like, hey, uh, guy, you really don't want to do this crazy deal that you are saying you can do. I, we really highly advise against she it. She loves telling the story. Yes. <laughs> it's a great story. Yes, a company talked me out of doing business with them. Yes, that happened. Okay. Uh, but I don't think you need to bring it up on every single commercial. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying they're smart enough not to do business with Stu. You got to go to AmericanFinancing.net or you can call 800-906-2440. That is AmericanFinancing.net. Seriously, you guys, if you have not done a refi yet, you got to look at it. The interest rates are too low, not to AmericanFinancing.net. All right. I do want to talk a lot about what is going on in the world, in the country that we aren't talking about because we're talking about the impeachment hearings. So, so uh, we want to get to that. But I know you guys want to hear what happened. Did Trump really get nailed this time? What did they say? What did they do? Uh, and I thought, who better to give you a breakdown of what happened today in the impeachment hearings than Josh Hammer, who just wrote, <laughs> who yeah, who, who just wrote an op-ed that is on the Daily Wire right now about uh, the impeachment hearings? Josh, nothing, nothing happened. Am I wrong? Sarah, this whole thing is just the biggest waste of time imaginable. I mean, what's going on right now is that House Democrats are working on a very expedited time frame. Okay. They are trying to get this formal vote in before Christmas. They want to go home. They want to get their coal and deliver in the stocking to President Trump and just, just, just go home and not think about this, okay? So this week, they finally moved the, these public hearings from the Intelligence Committee to the Judiciary Committee. I don't know. I guess, like, multiple committees, like, a little more legitimacy maybe, but not really. So today we had three left-leaning law professors, Pamela Carlin of Stanford, who is a radical, radical, unreconstructed leftist. Which, hold on, isn't she the one who uh, complained that she had to walk across the street rather than walk past Trump Tower? That's correct. Okay. Yeah, no, she, she, she is a unreconstructed leftist. Noah Feldman of Harvard, who is 
slightly, slightly more sane, but still like very left of center. And John Turley was the Republican witness. Jonathan Turley is not a conservative. He, he was an Obama, Clinton, former voter. He is a reasonable person who is generally skeptical of government power, but he is no one's idea of a conservative. Mm-hmm. And these three law professors were called today to discuss what the meaning of high crimes and misdemeanors is in Article 2 of the Constitution. The problem is this is an intergalactic waste of taxpayer dollars because we literally know what it is. Because Alexander (laughs) Hamilton told us in Federalist 65 exactly what it is. It is an abuse or violation of the public trust. So it's unclear to me why in the year 2019 we need these three left-leaning law professors to tell us something that no less a founding father luminary than Alexander Hamilton himself literally told us while writing the Federalist Papers. So I'm, I'm baffled as to why any of this is going on. But you know what? The Democrats are working on a very expedited time frame right now. They need to get this in before Christmas. So they're just firing up on all cylinders. But it is a huge waste of time. I guess we watch it so that the viewers don't have to. But mm-hmm. there you go. There's your summer. Well, and just just to one more point on uh, Jonathan Turley. He kind of laid into the Democrats for uh, their you know abuse of, of power uh, or what have you on the fact that they're holding all of these impeachment hearings over nothing. We have a a short clip of what exactly John Turley said to them lunch. Now, there are three distinctions when you look at these, or the three commonalities when you look at these past cases. All involved established crimes. This would be the first impeachment in history where there would be considerable debate, and in my view, not compelling evidence of the commission of a crime. Second is the abbreviated period of this investigation, which is problematic and puzzling. This is a facially incomplete and inadequate record in order to impeach a president. Now, um, Matt, you are obviously a successful entrepreneur. You are way too busy to watch this garbage uh, at any given point in the day. But what are your thoughts on just how tribal we are now? I mean, you've got the Democrats going after this impeachment over nothing, and you've got people on the left that are just, all they want to do is impeach Trump. No facts, no evidence. It's, it's all that they want. It's all that they have. Uh, do we come back from this? Yeah, I think that's the unfortunate thing, and uh, it's just you're fighting these these wars to win on political gain rather than fighting a war to win for America. And I think that uh, instead of worrying about impeachment, they should probably focus on better candidates. So mm-hmm. that'd be my suggestion. Well, it, I mean, <laughs> we say all the time, Stu has brought this up multiple times, it, I mean, this is what they have, right? Because if they have to talk about their policies... Right. These are not the actions of a confident party. Right? <laughs> 100%, yeah. This is so they're terrified that they're going to lose this election. They're trying to put the stamp of impeachment on there. So so that they can say it a lot during the campaign, particularly to raise money. Right. Um, but, I mean, they know this isn't going anywhere. I don't understand why they feel like they need to do this fa- so fast. I mean, if you wanted eyeballs on it, you wouldn't do it right before Christmas. You'd do it in January when everyone's coming back and getting ready for the season. Um, it's interesting when you talk about being tribal, too, in that, like, Turley is a left-leaning uh, law professor. He's a smart guy, and I think— He I, voted for Clinton and Obama. Yeah, but yeah. a guy who, you know, whose opinion, I think, is, is highly respected, and, and he, he brings up, I think, a lot of uh, good points. But as, as you read through his testimony and you listen to him, he's not giving a free pass to Donald Trump. No. I mean, he's right. critical in several different places and, and says that, you know what, if you ha- his basic point was, look, if you have a case for impeachment, make it. Make it with mm-hmm. the process. Call the right witnesses. Let them actually go through the court process of, if they refuse. Do all of it, because this is not something you turn around in a couple of days. The difference between what the Republicans did, which was you know, call someone from the left mm-hmm. who had some criticisms of Trump, uh, to come out there and give his honest opinion, as opposed to what the Democrats did, which was 
put up pure partisans. I mean, there's plenty of libertarian and, and right-leaning uh, legal minds that would have criticisms of Donald Trump that you they could have brought if they had any attempt at being fair. Yeah. Instead, they bring far-left people that are just going to parrot uh, their fever dream. And, you know, this is why I think this isn't connecting with the American people and that they just see this as pure partisanship. Mm-hmm. This is just an exercise in them getting this little box checked. We impeached him. Give us your money. Uh, vote for our candidates. And I, I don't think it's going to connect with the American people long term. Maybe that's why they're burying it. Um, but, I mean, I think there's a real case politically that they should try to bring this into the new year. Mm. I mean, they could drag this out for months and uh, have this. I mean, don't I don't want them to do that. it. Don't say that. I don't have any ideas here. Don't, don't do that. It's a weird, you know, Turley brought this up in his, in, in his, uh, in his t- statement today. We, we were hearing for 18 months that the president did all these impeachable things and all these terrible things with Russia and obstruction of justice and paying porn stars and all the scandals we've lived through, which have not even affected a tick, his approval rating, by the way. Um, but all of a sudden, a few weeks ago, we're just rushing into impeachment and we need it done in like six weeks? Like, what is this? It's, it's, it's nonsensical and it's obviously just a tactic. Yeah, I mean, one possible theory is, so it's interesting, the national polling on impeachment is pretty much 50-50, like roughly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But in the swing states, public sentiment is increasingly turning against impeachment. Mm-hmm. Like in Wisconsin, Michigan, Iowa, Ohio. It's, you see 50 to 55 percent, usually people at least opposing impeachment. So one possible theory is that they just want the, they realize that they made a mistake and they just want to get over with. Just rip that Band-Aid off and just get this out of the way before, you know, Iowa caucuses, New Hampshire primary. I'm not convinced that's right, but it's, it's one possible theory as to what's going on. Yeah, here. there was some early reporting that saying that they wanted to stretch it out. And then it seems like they've reversed themselves. Right, and now exactly. are like, you know, well, let's get into the easy pass oh. lane and uh, go as fast <laughs> as we can. So I, I think maybe they that's that's a really bad mistake, though. You don't launch this thing if you don't think it's a winner. And they avoided it for a year and a half, and then they just throw it out there. Look, I, I mean, I think they're doing the wrong thing. I think it's going to wind up helping Republicans mm-hmm. and hurting them. So, I mean, probably a good thing uh, from my point of view, but still, it's a bizarre strategy. Yeah. Uh, moving on to world leaders at the NATO summit. Last night in London, they were at Buckingham Palace, and they appear to have been caught on video mocking President Trump, uh, mainly Justin Trudeau, Justin Blackface Trudeau. Here is what happened. Watch. Uh, for you podcast listeners, he, they were saying, oh, yeah, he had to show up late because he had to do his press conference. And you just watched his team's jaws drop to the floor. Um, Want to get your quick thoughts on this. But let's listen to President Trump today responding to what Justin Trudeau said. Well, he's too fast. Do you think that Germany's too nice? And honestly, with Trudeau, he's a nice guy. I, I find him to be a very nice guy. But, you know, the truth is that uh, I called him out on the fact that he's not paying 2%. And I guess he's not very happy about it. I mean, you were there, a couple of you were there. And uh, he's not paying 2%, and he should be paying 2%. It's Canada, they have money, and they should be paying 2%. So I called him out on that, and I'm sure he wasn't happy about it. But that's the way it is. Look, I'm representing the U.S., and he should be paying more than he's paying, and he understands it. So I can imagine I can imagine he's not that happy, but that's the way it is. So <laughs> I see that and I'm like, okay, the first part of it, he's two-faced, but he's a nice guy. 
It's kind of <laughs> weird, right? But other than that, I think that was a good response. Yeah, he That was a really well. good response. He's like, look, I'm here for America. I'm not here for the interests of them. I'm here for the interests of America. And no one else is paying their fair share, which is a common theme that we've heard from him that I think that Americans can really, you know, they can, they can identify with. What do you think, Matt? Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, he's just focusing on the economics of it. And mm -hmm. I think that he wants us to succeed as an economy. And that's very important for all of us, especially being an entrepreneur myself. I mean, the more we can succeed in business and hire people and lower the unemployment rate, it's phenomenal. So it's kind of nice to not address all the, the pettiness mm -hmm. that goes on in, in that world. So well, it almost looked like you see him and he first he quickly said that and then he paused a beat and was like, you know what? I'm going to redirect this around and <laughs> make be it cool on this one. Yeah, and make it about just pay me that two percent. We're good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Josh, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, Donald Trump takes crap from no one. Okay, like, he, uh, he, why was he elected in 2016? I mean, I was a Ted Cruz primary supporter. Why did Trump get over Cruz? Because he fights back. He punches. Mm -hmm. He doesn't take crap from anyone, whether on the media, whether on the left, whether they're in Hollywood, the Academy, like you name it. Donald Trump is seen as a counterpuncher. So Justin Trudeau, you know, our friendly two-faced, black-faced neighbor to the north. <laughs> I mean, Trump is not going to What kind of face are you not, Justin? <laughs> All right? It beats me. But, like, Trump is, whatever kind of face he puts on, Donald Trump is not going to take crap from him. And you know what? I, did, I think he handled that pretty well. I really do. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Too. I got a little shot in and, and still brought it around and right. turned it into a big thing. I mean, look, you know, in high school, you get worried about people talking behind your back. He's the president of the freaking United States. He leads the free world. He doesn't have to worry about what Justin Trudeau says. And I think it was a smart thing. Give him a little bit of a little tap. Let him know I knew. Mm -hmm. A little two-faced, but he, whatever. He, I can he, deal with he it. He flicked his nose. Yeah, a little bit. All right? <laughs> I am a little disappointed Boris Johnson was not in there step, stepping up for, for Don <laughs> in that moment. He kind of was like laying back and letting uh, Justin Trudeau go to town on him. I, I feel like Boris should step up. They both have the kind of the same hair. I feel like they should be on the same team. <laughs> Thank you for that uh, insightful analysis mm -hmm. from Stu. Uh, we will be back with a pastor who was fired. He lost his job because he said pride parades are harmful to children. Yeah, back in a minute. I can't even look at Boris Johnson and like not laugh. He's just like- oh, It's like he's just a character. Before we get back into it, let me tell you about Candid. So Candid is there for those of you who, you know, you're giving all these gifts to family and friends over the holiday season and you're like, I don't, I just feel like I want to give something to myself. All right, here's what you can give yourself. You can give yourself straighter teeth so that next year in those holiday photos, you are like actually smiling with your teeth and you're not like, you don't want to be that person. You want to be confident about your smile and Candid can help you do that. Uh, Candid's aligners, they're invisible aligners. They can help straighten your teeth faster and cheaper than traditional wire braces. So that's a win-win. You don't have all the wire in your mouth. And it's usually like 65% less than going into the orthodontist and getting those braces. Uh, also, so it, I, I do this, by the way. Everyone tells me, eh, you have fake teeth. No, actually, I don't. <laughs> and I don't wear my retainers anymore. I stopped wearing my retainers and my teeth shifted. And I'm using Candid right now. It's really cool. You log in. You take a bunch of pictures. You log in. And you have an orthodontist that sends you a 3D preview of the movement of your teeth so that once you finish the steps... It shows you what your teeth will look like uh, compared to where they're at now. It's really, really cool. And you do it all from your home. So they ship you everything you need. You do the little impressions. You send them back. And they send you all of your aligners that you need. It's really awesome. The process has been really simple. 
for me, it can be for you as well. Give yourself the gift of self-confidence this holiday season. Go to candidco.com slash why. If you use promo code why, you will get $75 off. That is candidco.com slash why. Use promo code why for $75 off. And by the way, Candid is donating $25 with each aligner purchased to the Smile Train which uh, helps 100%. It's 100% free cleft lip and palate treatment to children around the globe. So do, that, that's your gift to everyone else. You give a gift to uh, kids who need it, and also you give yourself the gift of beautiful teeth. Candidco.com slash why. Uh, so a Christian pastor um, has received a death threat and lost his job after suggesting that certain, quote, gay pride events can be, quote, harmful for children. This is a Rhode Island bishop. Um, and he said, uh, a reminder that Catholics should not support or attend LGBTQ Pride Month events held in June. They promote a culture and encourage activities that are contrary to Catholic faith and morals. They are especially harmful for children. And apparently that is super controversial to say. And uh, he was fired. He also, you got to give it to him this though. He said he stood by his initial tweet after all of this, you know, took place. He said uh, children should never be exposed to nudity or overt sexuality, whether that's at gay pride or anywhere else. You would think the church of all places could at least hop on to this. The church fired him. It was actually he was fired by the church because it seems like that's. Pretty consistent with, yeah, I'm not a Catholic, but I believe that's consistent with Catholic beliefs. Yeah. I yeah. also believe that, isn't pride also a sin? Uh, we're kind of in a, we're hitting multiple right. things oh, here. Oh, that's a good um, one. I, I think there's a, uh, there's a, you know, look, you could say it's a controversial thing to say. Obviously, we all know that uh, people get canceled all the time for saying things like this. It shouldn't be controversial to say that, like, you know, it's one thing to support uh, that people ha- can do whatever they want, but it's another thing to to bring a child to a place where uh, you know there is often times uh, pl- the a- the sexual aspects of of this are played up in a big way, uh, and there is nudity and there are all sorts of uh, you know symbols that are would not be appropriate for children. Um, that's a parent saying that though. That's not a pastor, mm-hmm. right? A pastor or a bishop should be able to say like, look, you know. You know, if you don't like what I'm talking about, well, then probably you're not going to agree with the the views of the church that I that I'm at, right? Like, I mean, this is this is a Catholic church. It's it's not something where they have, um, you know, you're not supposed to be able to just necessarily choose all the things that you want to do. There are actual rules and there are actual beliefs. Uh, so it's a strange thing. It's one thing if he's working for another company and they find that to be controversial. For a church to take a step like that is is incredibly bizarre. Josh. Yeah, I'm just baffled here. Uh, I I wish we could have got your look before we actually got to you. He's just like, huh, (laughs) I I don't get it. Yeah, I mean, I'm Jewish, but I'm pretty sure that tweet is directly consistent with Catholic doctrine, at least as far as I understand Mm -hmm. it. Uh, So I'm just utterly baffled in the first instance. But I guess the broader point here is... um, one thing that really, really, really animates me is trying to preserve the innocence of children more generally. Um, like something as like uh, unoffensive or anodyne to some people as like child acting in Hollywood has actually always rubbed me the wrong way. Like I hate that like we as a culture 
will kind of fetishize, like the Macaulay Culkins of the world, mm-hmm. these, these child actors. Let, let kids be kids. This, this, is, this is one objection that I had to the whole Greta Thunberg thing. Like, these are teenagers. Like, let them, like, uh, let them explore and, like, try to figure out their way around the world without us indulging in some of, like, their kind of, like, fantasies. And, like, you know, I think back to, like, this whole, the whole, like, drag queen story hour that kind of launched the long-running, like, Amari French debate, right? Mm-hmm. It was, it, these, are, these are kids, okay? We need to preserve these children's innocence. And that, the sentiment in that tweet, it, that's all it's trying to say. is like, let kids be kids. Don't expose them to things that could, you know, toxify the world to be before they're mature enough to make their own decisions. So. Yeah. Um, Matt, you know, Josh brings up a good point because, I, and I say that too all the time, stop trying to sexualize our children. I'm not homophobic or transphobic because uh, I have a problem with a drag queen coming into a <clears throat> library during story time hour and shaking their rear end at a bunch of kids. I would also have a problem with it if the dude was dressed in regular dude's clothes and went to the library and shook his rear end in front of a bunch of kids. That's the problem. I think if you have an opinion on that, it's transphobic immediately, you know, (laughs) and from my perspective, I'm like, you know, you have the right to live your individual freedoms and whatever lifestyle you want. But then when you start involving kids and the weirdest part about all of this is the guy was coming from an empathetic perspective of what he believes in, in his faith. And then he gets a death threat. Yeah. So he gets to say what he wants, his own, you know, First Amendment rights, and then people are going to give him death threats. Like, you couldn't be more hypocritical and violent mm-hmm. as a response. And it's just, people are losing their way. Yeah, they really are. <laughs> and, well, and to that point, you know, we're talking about what people want to teach kids, which is about gay pride. And meanwhile, uh, Common Core, not doing so well here in the United States. Uh, United States test scores of high school students show no improvement despite billions of dollars being thrown at education reform. And now this has been since the early 2000s, and we continue to trail students in Asian countries despite, you know, all of these billions of taxpayer dollars being thrown into it. And I know we always have, America is great. America is the greatest country. Um, but we do have some work to do when it comes to education. I'm so. 33 and I don't know how to do Common Core. So, <laughs> I mean, no, it, it, seriously, we've got someone, Jason Petrol. He's frequently on, on the show. So viewers will know who he is. But he, we've talked about this on radio. He's like, I, my kid comes to bring me her homework and I don't know how to help her because right. she's supposed to show her work to do 12 steps and I know how to do it in two so right. I legitimately can't help her do her homework because I don't know. There. Yeah, yeah. You're supposed to try to cut. Isn't efficiency? You're trying to cut the amount. Of, yeah. yeah, I thought so. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, it's it's bizarre. And Not in the United States government. No, it doesn't. No. Um, I will say this because uh, I mean we could complain about the education system and have a million times the way that it's utilized here. Uh, take it to one other spec, uh, step here. There's a lot of people in this audience who will completely agree with everything that we're saying and then go to their local polls and approve the new bond for $57 million for schools every mm-hmm. single time it's on the ballot. They pass it like a re- it's something like 95% of these things pass. They can get money just because it's for the kids, yep. and we all act as if, if we get well, we can't say no to the kids. What are we going to make our kids? Are all going to be stupid, and they're not going to know how to learn? Well, no, we don't need necessarily the new parking lots and the new uh, tennis courts and the, and the beautiful new gymnasiums and all the things that these, these bonds wind up paying, and, and it's money that we don't have, obviously, as a country. Um, so we need to be a little more selective. It would be great if we pushed back a little bit against some of these towns that are just mm-hmm. you know dragging the money out of uh, the taxpayers payers' pockets for things that aren't clearly, clearly are not helping the kids learn anything. Yeah. Josh, final word. 
Yeah, I mean, part of the problem here in Texas, I actually, it's funny, this came up, I, was, I got breakfast this morning with a um, former state senator friend, and we were talking about this, actually. In Texas, in these rural areas, the teachers' unions are oftentimes overwhelmingly powerful because the local school district is actually the biggest employer in that town. So even kind of these cultural conservatives, the gun-toting, church-going types, end up just voting for school stuff because literally that's the big, that's who's hiring the people in the town. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, back in a minute. I love the way you, you phrased that, that debate uh, with David French. Hey, before we go into overtime, i got to tell you where you can find Matt Best, since it is, of course, his maiden voyage on the show. Matt, where can they find you? Uh, they can find me either... Like, don't don't okay. give me your address. No. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, I'm going to keep the wife safe. Uh, any social media platform, Matt Best, you know, I'm a patriot constitutionalist and have a lot of fun. Or uh, blackriflecoffee.com. That's where we have the world's greatest coffee and uh, really we support is. veterans, law enforcement, and the whole nine. We do some good work over there. I, you've, I, seriously, you have to go right now after this show and follow Matt Best's Instagram. They do the yeah. coolest videos. They blow stuff up all the time. It's great. It's amazing. It's reason, America. The yes. you ever function on the show is because of the double caffeine. It really, yeah. it yeah, really so. is. That's why I'm always, when we're talking about it, I'm like, I, I don't know what I would do in my life without Black Rifle Coffee. I really don't. I feel the same. Uh, also, uh, you can find his book. It is Thank You For My Service. Yes, ma'am. You can find it anywhere. You get your books. Overtime starts next. We're going to talk to you about a Virginia bill to make firearms training an illegal paramilitary activity. Oh, got a lot to get into there. Up next, enjoy bonus overtime content from the news and why it matters. Available exclusively for podcast listeners and Blaze TV subscribers. Not a subscriber? Start your free trial at blazetv.com. So Virginia legislators, I know yesterday we talked about uh, Virginia legislators putting forth a bill that would ban and likely confiscate semi-automatic weapons. Um, They did point to semi-automatic rifles as well. Well, now we're learning about a lovely little bill that they are trying to pass over in Virginia uh, now that they have they control both chambers and they have a Democratic governor that will make firearms training an illegal paramilitary activity and a felony. So I want I want to read the text of the bill. I want to be fair so that we're not, you know, misconstruing anything. So it says a person is guilty of unlawful paramilitary activity punishable as a class 5 felony if he teaches or demonstrates to any other person the use, application, or making of any firearm, explosive, or incendiary device or technique capable of causing injury or death to persons knowing or having reason to know, intending that such training will be employed for use in or in furtherance of a civil disorder, uh, assembles with one or more persons for the purpose of training with, practicing with, being instructed to use all of these firearm, explosive, blah, 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 um, or technique capable of causing injury or death to persons uh, intending to use in a civil disorder, once again. And then, here's a tricky one. Assembles with one or more persons with the intent of intimidating any person or group of persons by drilling, parading, or marching with any firearm, any explosive or incendiary device, or any of any components or combination thereof. So, <laughs> uh, I'm dumbfounded. I'm dumbfounded on that. So critics are saying <laughs> wow. that that last section uh, is is pretty unique, but the the second section can be applied um, much like the the first one that like. That's okay. We can deal with that. But the third one is 
it had the ability to criminalize open carry and peaceful protests, right? So, like, just because you have your weapon that you have, you know, to protect yourself while you're involved in a civil, you know, civil protest and that's not allowed. I mean, how scared are the gun ranges going to be? Because they've well, got they people coming into train. Great question. Unless they're saying they're like a licensed firearm instructor, but that's so ridiculous. Yeah. Like one of the most ridiculous things I've ever heard in my whole entire life. Yeah. So can can a grandpa like train his grandson how to use like Pappy's old shotgun or rifle? I mean, like. That's what I'm thinking. Like when my father used to take me out in the range when I was five years old and have my 22 under my arm, is he now a felon because he's instructing me how to use a firearm? There's so much great. That's just terrible. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Definitely, as we were talking about off air, definitely just a little chip. They're in uh, the Second Amendment. That's what they're doing. A yeah. big one, too. I mean, like, I, we kind of want people who uh, are utilizing firearms to utilize them. Uh, in a, in <laughs> do you know, well, know what they're well, doing? Well, I'd love to speak that because, like, when I worked as a contractor for, you know, different government organizations, you know, I was a trained instructor. And part of what I really enjoy doing is taking people out to the range and giving them those, you know, experiences of how to actually stow your weapon properly, how to clear a weapon, how to shoot appropriately. Because the thing that a lot of people don't understand, when you implement a firearm to save your life, you want to be able to effectively use this because there's things called collateral and other things around you. And you Mm -hmm. want to make sure what you're pointing at, you shoot. And, you know, that's just absolutely insane to me. Yeah. I mean, because it's not only violating, I think, obviously, the Second Amendment. I mean, there's just no way that should be allowed and and probably would be struck down if there's any justice in the court system. But also, I mean, you can't can't restrict people's, like, right to assemble either. I mean, you're getting multiple amendments here. This is not a... I mean, again, I don't think... I don't even know if... Virginia is even trying anymore. I mean, they're writing laws where you can abort kids after they're born. They're, I mean, like they're just like throwing stuff out there. They're in the YOLO phase of, 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 of running a state. No, I mean, like, be, like being in this line of profession, in this industry, I have more friends I would care to admit in D.C. than you know, either, uh, than like I perhaps otherwise would. At least for the past like 15, 20 years, like conservative politicos who live in D.C. would like unanimously live in Virginia because Maryland was like run by Democrats. Virginia was like a somewhat of like an oasis. If you worked at like Heritage Foundation or like any of like those like think tanks, you would live in Virginia. Like there is no like even like remote oasis now for conservative type to live around the nation's capital. That's the direction this is going. But Sue's point is a, is a broader and a more important one. They, I mean, what they're trying to do here is to, is, is de facto write a constitutional amendment yes. out of the state yes. of Virginia. Yes. Okay. You cannot possibly think of anything more at odds with anything the founding fathers could have possibly envisioned. Okay, uh, to, to, to them, the responsibility to own a firearm and to and to operate to protect home and family, home and hearth, to and to defend against government tyranny—that's what this is obviously really about—was mm-hmm. actually a virtue. It was it was a quintessential virtue of a self-governing and responsible citizenship. So obviously, what they're doing is just throwing everything that the founding fathers could possibly thought completely on its head. But that's the modern Democratic Party, I guess. Yeah, that's, I mean, I don't know how these poor gun ranges in, in Virginia, I feel bad for them because I don't know how you're going to stay in business. Uh, meanwhile, Amherst County, also in Virginia, uh, they have decided that they are going to protect themselves from being overrun by this, you know, tyrannical government in Virginia that's trying to figure out how to take all your guns. And they voted Tuesday afternoon to become a Second Amendment sanctuary. So that's where we're at.
we now have Second Amendment uh, sanctuaries. That is not something we need because with the second, the entire country is a Second Amendment right. sanctuary. That's <laughs> yes. what the Second Amendment <laughs> says exactly. and accomplishes. Right? You shouldn't need one. Right. I mean, it's it's amazing because I mean, the sanctuary city thing is usually we're going to ignore these laws. We're going to ignore these uh, uh, nationwide principles. Um, in like borders, for example. Uh, here, it's like the opposite. Like we have to come up with a zone to allow people to have the right given to them by God. Like bizarre. that is bizarre. Very bizarre. Uh, let's trash mainstream media, shall we? So <laughs> Melania Trump, uh, you know, decorated the White House. She did a great job of, all, you know, she put up all the decorations. They posted a video. It, was, it looks very, very lovely. And um, the Washington Post, they had a really, really hot take on Melania Trump decorating the White House. They said, uh, let's see, where Melania Trump's Christmas decorations are lovely, but that coat looks ridiculous. There's a picture of Melania walking past all of the Christmas trees, and she is wearing a very, very offensive, elegant white coat. I am very triggered. Wait, by and this and are they cool with Hillary Clinton's pantsuits she wears? Because, like, if we're if we're being fashion police here, I mean, I come mean, on, man. I, you can't forget Michelle Obama's yellow dress. Right. Also, her arms—that if you didn't like them, yeah, you were there's something wrong with you. Is that where we're at in a country? Is to like make fun of the first lady's, you know, yes. jacket? Yes. Oh man. Yes, that's where that's where we're at. So uh, let me just give you the the details that she, you know, I mean, obviously she backed up what she had to say. She wasn't just going to say that coat looks oh, ridiculous good. and not explain oh, what she meant. So she said, uh, the coat is draped over her shoulders as she strolls through the White House. The coat looks ridiculous. The coat is a distraction and a discomforting affectation taken to a ludicrous extreme. I mean, I don't <laughs> even know how to comment on it. It's, uh, the I one think thing just, there's just like typing big words. Yes, yeah. And just stringing them the all together. fashion or style section? Is mm-hmm. that where this is? Because, I mean, I... I guess there's some relevance. Not, I would okay. I, so it's in fashion. You might be able to know, looking at me, that I don't typically go to the fashion or style <laughs> but section. But I thought you weren't um, allowed to criticize the first lady's well, appearance. That's what's fascinating about this. I mean, I honestly think this is one of the most pure examples of media bias that we've seen in the Trump administration. Because you can say you don't like Donald Trump, you don't like the way he acts, you don't like his policies. She is a vessel. Like She doesn't say anything other than saying, I don't like bullies. It's like the only opinion we think she has. She's stunningly beautiful. She is a, uh, a, a supermodel, right? And so we can't criticize... Uh, we can't even say like, yeah, I'm not. I don't think Michelle's arms are all that great. That was like a, a, an international incident. You're a you racist. Say that. If a you racist. Say that, yeah. And they never put her on the cover of magazines. They never. They never compliment her. They never say that that she's beautiful or anything she does are you know beautiful. When objectively, she is beautiful, right? Like she was getting paid a lot of money just to stand there in clothing. Um, and sometimes not not always no. with <laughs> uh, apparently, uh, but I mean it's it's objectively like she is a model in the White House. This is the easiest thing in the world. I mean, all of our focus is on this place. She is uh, obviously very photogenic. This is the this is cake for the media. Like they should be all over her. She should be everywhere. And they never put her anywhere. And the only thing they ever do is criticize the things that she wears. It's incre- it's all, it's uh, it is. More pure than anything they do with Donald Trump. Because yeah. Trump, you can at least say, okay, well, they don't like him for X, Y, and Z. There's no reason not to like her. She hasn't done anything. Right. Well, she married Donald Trump. I guess that's too. bad enough. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Daily Beast also had a hot take, the hottest of takes. Melania Trump's joyless Christmas decorations are back to haunt your nightmares. <laughs> what? That is 
That is intense, you guys. That is really intense. Uh, so they, I mean, it's, it's a, an like they entire put a article Mao ornament on it on the tree or anything like the last president did. Uh, they Look put a Mao ornament on the on the tree, and we got no coverage of did, that. Did wow, really I didn't even you know that. that. No. Oh yeah, they had a Mao ornament on the tree one year. They were like, oh, it was an artist, and we didn't realize it. Uh, <laughs> which, okay. Oh, my right. God. But, I mean, wow. you know, and we were crazy for thinking that he had Marxist leanings occasionally. Oh um, but, I mean, you know, whatever. Whether he knew about it or not. Like, what, what's so I mean, nightmare-inducing is 60 million dead in a country. That's nightmare-inducing. Uh, <laughs> the fact that she's wearing a jacket on her shoulders, I don't think is really nightmare-inducing. Wow. Well, uh, they said this this particular person at the Daily Beast, who obviously very very skilled journalist, said uh, Melania's <laughs> gussied up scene appears to be anything but jolly. Capitalizing on the holidays is only enjoyable when you're surrounded by people who make spending vacation days worthwhile. So try, of course, ultimately they want to get in a dig at Trump that you know she's not spending time with someone who makes vacation days worthwhile because she's married to that Nazi racist xenophobic so petty awful orange man so petty yeah. i don't know how does anyone even talk like listen to the mainstream media take them seriously at any given point in time that's why i don't watch it <laughs> that's a great point. That's i focus a great on point. things more important do, do you, know, you think but that they will eventually die out you know, I don't know. It's become so divisive. It's, it's crazy right now. I think that uh, more rational thinkers will come to the table and people mm -hmm. will consume that because it makes sense rather than, you know, consuming whatever that just was on that paper. <laughs> so, you know. <laughs> Josh, do you think that they're going to die out? I mean, I think that there's a probably a very limited future in this country for media that publicly hold itself out to be neutral or nonpartisan. Yeah. Like yeah. The, the future media is right leaning and left leaning, I think. Well, I mean, I think there's room for one that could just be nonpartisan. That's just not what we're getting. Like, I would love to have uh, a media outlet, uh, you know, a mainstream media outlet that people could actually go to that will actually just give the facts. That's uh, just not... Well, it's, I, it's, but it's just, that's what they're saying they are. Right. They're just not doing it. Right. In theory, that sounds nice. I think it's fundamentally against human nature. Yeah. Yeah. Because everyone is always going to have their opinions that will just kind of leak out, exactly. even if they don't mean to. All right. Before we go, <laughs> you're not going to be able to unsee this, so you're welcome. Uh, Andrew Yang is uh, getting a little bit of, I don't know, I guess it's not heat, but uh, some. So she, he's raising some eyebrows after a video of him surfaced where he squirts whipped cream into the mouths of kneeling men? Watch. And I believe that's his campaign manager. I love the, the hand right here. Just watch his face when he starts to do it, do it again. No, we got to stop. What am I watching? <laughs> I told you. I told you, Josh, you can't What am I watching? You can, you're watching Andrew Yang squirting whipped cream into the mouths of kneeling men. That's what you're watching. The best part about that is the handler, because he just, he just lost the situational awareness and the handler was like, oh my lord, we gotta get you out of here. Yeah. Because I've had like weird requests when I've done, you know, mm -hmm. signings and stuff like yeah. that. And when people are like, pour whipped cream in my mouth, probably gonna say no, especially if I'm a presidential candidate. So probably bad move for him, uh, but so what you're very saying, interesting. What you're saying is Andrew Yang should develop the the word 
pass or hard pass into his vocabulary, maybe? <laughs> Just like If I was working on his campaign, I would say, yeah. I think that's what the handler was doing there. So uh, I, will, uh, I, I will say I have been that handler t- a ton of times with the man who normally sits in the seat, where like he's in the middle of doing something. I'm like, do you realize there's going to be a photograph taken of the moment that you're doing right now? Stop. <laughs> yeah. I'll give you one actual example. We were going through. Oh, I um, love it. Uh, we were go- I can't remember what conference it was. We were at some, like, one of those uh, conferences in the big like convention centers, um, and we were walking around, um, and we were there for some appearance or something. And we're walking out, and this guy comes up to Glenn, and he says, "Hey, uh, you know, uh, she wants to take a picture with you. Is that okay?" And of course, you know, Glenn's very nice to people when they come up, and he, he's like, "Of course, of course." So he starts walking over, and I'm, I'm looking at her, and I'm just like, "There's something like I, I don't, I can't put it all together. I'm like, I can't fully understand." Oh, it was a TV convention because it was all the TV channels, and I'm looking at her, and I'm like, she just like looked a little bit. It didn't look like, a, I'm like, she almost like, is she a celebrity or something? Um, and then I look behind her and I see the Playboy logo. And I'm like, oh, no. Wait a minute. And then I see behind her in her, in her uh, booth. And it's like the hardcore porn network <laughs> oh, my. thing. It is a porn oh, star, apparently a very well-known one as well, because uh, I've never looked at uh, a woman in that way. Uh, but uh, a <laughs> very well-known uh, porn star that wanted to take a picture with Glenn. And it was up to the point where like, she had, like, they were like walking up. Like, they were like, hey, buddy, we got to go. It was really <laughs> awkward. Um, those things really <laughs> do happen. It's like how candidates get in trouble. But yeah. now I so regret it because I would have had a picture of yeah. Glenn with a porn star that I could torture him with all the time. In front of, I totally should have let it go. Booth? Yeah, it was with all the sex booth. stuff? It was like he was just oh, he, he's changing networks from The Blaze to Spice <laughs> TV or whatever it was. Fantastic. That would have been great. All right, yesterday's poll, who is the most dishonest? Lizzie Warren, Focahontas, wins this one at 57%. Ah. Joe Biden, wow, 23%. He even, he made it, uh, I guess you would say he beat even though it's not really a compliment. He beat Kamala, poor Kamala, RIP Kamala. <laughs> uh, she got 15%, and Bernie, unsurprisingly, is at 6%, because he's going to tell you what he thinks. I love the Kamala moment where she, after she drops out of the race, and tr- Trump tweets something, the effect of like, oh, you know, see you later, uh, we'll miss you, or something, and she responds, uh, don't worry, Mr. President, we'll, we'll see you at the trial, um, right? You know, whatever, nice little mm-hmm. comeback, or whatever. Her most retweeted tweet in, in her entire life happens right after she drops out of the race. Like, here's this big viral moment that could have maybe given her a little of attention. Maybe she gets a burst of donations, and this is how it went for Kabbalah. Well, which, okay, so Josh, you followed this really closely. We were talking yesterday, we were trying to make sense of why now she had already qualified for the next debate. Why not just wait? Yeah, I mean, Politico had that big expose about just like all these internal frictions in the in the in the Harris campaign. Apparently, it's just been a, an absolute disastrous mm-hmm. sinking ship from the from the inside. And like and she had the aide go over to Michael Bloomberg. Right. That's embarrassing. Yeah, I mean, I mean, all sorts of small signs like that. But I agree with you. I mean, like at this point, like what's what's the harm in like scrapping the funds together to wait another like two and a half weeks? I mean, yeah, I mean, even if you basically close your campaign down, yeah. get rid of everybody, just go on TV a right. lot and be a senator. And like, mm-hmm. who knows? Maybe Biden decides to drop out of the race because he has another leg hair story and you're able to get, move <laughs> up in the, in the rankings. I mean, it's worth a shot. You're you're two weeks away from a debate. You're two months away from the voting. Why not hang for a little while? Right. It doesn't make any sense to me. Mm, I agree. bizarre. Today's poll, did you tune into today's <clears throat> impeachment hearing? Let us know if you like like torturing yourself and stuff. <laughs> Maybe you do. You have a life. Yeah. <laughs> okay, and we don't count, all right, no, because we special. have to do this for a living, for our career. I'm sure you didn't watch it. I did not. 
Do have you watched any of them? Uh, I just catch the news stories here and there, and then I breeze over. That's them, the so. way to do it. But you guys are the expert panel. You let me hang out, so it's great. It's very informative. Thank you. Well, hey, you're welcome. That's what we do here yeah. at the News and Why It Matters. Um, it, but with social media, it's so easy to just get you get the clips, you get like the big moments yeah. from yeah. social media. Don't torture yourselves and watch it like we have to. Don't do that. Just use us like Matt Best did. <laughs> uh, you can go to The Blaze's Twitter. Let us know if you're into, like, self-torture and stuff. Uh, it's at The Blaze. Gentlemen, thank you for being here. Matt, I hope you enjoyed your maiden voyage on the show. Thank you. Appreciate and, uh, it. And come back soon. We'll see you guys tomorrow. All right, you really are going to get stuff in Thanks for listening to the news and why it matters. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you'd like to watch the program, become a Blaze TV subscriber and start your free trial now at blazetv.com.